everybody. Welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Here at the top of the hour, we'll give a shout out to Mint Apparel, our official sponsor. Mint Apparel has what you need if you're looking for a local shop to do screen printing, embroidery, heat press vinyl. They can even take care of your branding and logo design needs. Check them out at mintapparel.com. That's M-E-N-T apparel.com. Or on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also request a quote by emailing them directly at info at mintapparel.com. Shout out to John. He's a good boy. He's a good man. <laughs> My favorite redhead I think I've ever met. Um, no, yeah, this is a fun episode. Uh, we have Alexandra Bohannon, of course, from the Cinematropolis back in. What's Hello. going on? Hello. Hey. What's up? Glad to be back yes. again. <laughs> <laughs> For people that maybe haven't heard of the Cinematropolis or your podcast, The Cinematic Schematic, can you give them a rundown of what it is that you guys talk about and what you do? Sure. Um, on the cinematic schematic, we talk about film analysis at a kind of a deeper level than just superficial thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Um, I have a specific uh, interview series called Soundtrack, uh, where I talk to uh, composers in fields from uh, feature film to animation, talking about their uh, their craft of uh, composition for for films uh, musically. We talk to uh, Guy Moon uh, in a collaboration with uh, you, Harold, on Tunes Tunes, and so I'm really. Glad to be back in the studio with you. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Thanks for coming through. Yes. And uh, yeah, very excited to have Butch in for this episode. Butch Hartman, how's it going, Butch? I'm doing good, guys. Uh, my wife has red hair, so she's my favorite redhead that I've ever okay, there you, go. you know, uh, <laughs> seen. <laughs> <laughs> you've got, I've got John, you've got your wife. So wait, now, so wait men, men, is it men's with his S apparel or meant up with a T meant? It meant apparel. M-E-N-T. Like, 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 like that's what I meant apparel. That's kind of oh. what it is. Yeah. I think nice. that's kind of the vibe from meant, it. Meant like, apparel. Why did you name it Or is that? it men <laughs> T like men's t-shirt apparel? Is that what kind of what we're going for here? Like men T apparel? <laughs> He's good. He knows his market, so he just kind of stays. In oh my god! I just I'm always yeah I'm always looking for clever ways to advertise. So uh, I just want to want to yeah, learn, learn something. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time, Butch. Um, like I said, you know this is uh, this is an exciting episode, and we've been such a big fan of some of the shows you've gotten to work on. It's an honor, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> wow! So we're thank really you. excited. Thank oh, you for taking the time, you. and we have to give a special shout out to our our, our guy Guy Moon. Yes. <laughs> guy. So for hooking well, us guy, up. Thank you, well, guy. guy for well, first of all, for you guys to land a guy moon before I landed him on my podcast was pretty <laughs> amazing. Because the funny part was I was asking uh guy, I just call him Moon. I was asking Moon to be on my podcast for like months. Uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Then he did your podcast first, and then he did my podcast. So <laughs> Well, you got to it, right? You guys, Surreal. yeah, you guys scooped me. It was amazing. That's hey, man, funny. I, no. I have my hand to the pulse. I can't help it. You it's really just, do. I mean, when you got it, you got it. Yeah, I can't help you're, it. You're deep in the t-shirt industry. You know, Guy Moon, it's <laughs> really amazing. Oh, man, that's too funny. Well, Butch, you know, I really, um, one of the things I thought of whenever I thought of you and thought of getting to talk to you was I wondered kind of what your intro to animation and cartoons was. And so, you know, I wanted to ask, like, what do you think was the first cartoon that had a lasting impact on you, like, from childhood? Is, is there one that sticks out to you or, like, kind of inspires your work even to this day? Or 
Yeah, that's a well, that's a really good question. There's been a lot of uh, cartoons. Obviously, I grew up loving cartoons um, as a kid. I grew up in a, a, a long ago time when there was just a television set with three channels on it and a radio. I know that uh, that seems archaic to a lot of people today, but um, no, I was a kid. Um, I, gosh, so many cartoons stood out to me. The first cartoon I ever saw on TV was The Wacky Races when um, it was one of the cartoons I remember, right The Wacky Races, Hanna-Barbera, and, uh, Hanna-Barbera. And then I also remember watching The Jetsons at a very early age. Um, mm. And then just, you know, those cartoons really stuck with me. I, I grew up on the original Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, that, that, that cartoon speed racer was a big one. Bugs bunny was a big one. Um, and I love the bugs bunnies because they were, you know, those bugs bunny cartoons back in the day, they were made for movie theaters. And then uh, Mm. when television came around, they put them on TV. So kids like me, I got to grow up in the era where, you know, you know, Daffy duck actually got shot with a shotgun and, you know, and survived. And we knew as kids, oh, you can't really do that. But it was funny the way Daffy's bill would fly off his head and all that stuff. So, yeah. uh, But I just think clever writing and stuff always stuck with me the most. Bugs Bunny really did. Um, I would love Bowinkle. That was a great cartoon I loved as a kid. Uh, Just because the writing was really, really clever. And that's, I think, why I, when I got older, really wanted to push the writing on my shows. Because if you don't have a good story, you know, no one's going to really want to watch your show. Right on. Mm-hmm. So um, building on your story, so you have this passion for story. How did you uh, start your journey into becoming an animator and a producer and voice actor and everything else that you you do in your career? Mm. Uh, another good question. I, you know, I come from Michigan and, uh, you know, back in Michigan when I was a kid, uh, there was really no TV. I mean, there were local stations and things like that, but I just wanted to be on the television set wherever those cartoons are being made. You know, I had some favorite sitcoms I watched as a kid, I, you know, like Happy Days and Welcome Back, Cotter and these kind of shows and Gilligan's Island. And like, how do you, how do you get to, where are those shows made? And they're in this magical land called Hollywood. And uh, I, I was just kind of just being a kid in Michigan, growing up, loving animation and stuff. And I met some friends uh, in Michigan who really wanted to go to this school called Cal Arts in California. And uh, the, one guy was two years older than me. One guy was a year older than me, and I was like a 10th grader. So it was like senior, uh, senior, junior, 10th grader. And so the senior, my senior friend went to CalArts first for two years before I got there. And I would send him drawings, like, how do I get into the school? How do, what, what are they looking for in a portfolio? And so I, I would send him drawings, and he would actually send me back notes on my drawings. Like, here's, here's what they're looking for. He really helped me out. And, uh, and then my other friend went, and he helped me out. So I really had a couple friends kind of pave the way for me before I got to go to uh, CalArts. But when I got to CalArts, it really expanded my horizons. Like I wasn't just me in my house drawing anymore, you know. I, it's like being in the major leagues. If you're, if you're a good baseball player in your hometown, you get to the major leagues and you realize that, wow, I've really got to step up my game. I'm not the best one anymore. Mm-hmm. I've really, you know, you either, you, right either, you either get scared or you run away. Excuse me. You either get scared and run away or you step up and you're like, so I I decided to step up. I wasn't the best, but I thought, you know, I'm just going to work on what I'm good at. So I said, instead of doing like the classic Disney animation, and I always wanted to be an animator, but instead of D, I I wasn't as good at the classical Disney Snow White, you know, uh, type of animation. I was better at the TV sort of funny, real fast paced uh, stylized kind of stuff. So I kind of went toward television more than movies. But what the main thing is I want to tell people is I got out of, I got out of my comfort zone. I got out of my hometown. You know, I, I left mm. where I was 
and pursued my dream. And that's what a lot of us have to realize. If you're going to go pursue a dream, the key word there is pursue. You have to get out from where you are and go pursue it. And a lot of people will sit back at age 20 and they'll be afraid. And then by the time they're 35, 36, they're wondering why they haven't gotten anything going is because they really haven't done anything towards that. Not to knock anybody, but you know, I want to encourage people that it ain't that it, it's not that scary. Once you step out, you think it's going to be, there's a few things to get used to, of course, you know, but if you really want to pursue that dream, you really, you can do it. There's all kinds of places for you to end up once you start pursuing it. Right on. Yeah, wow. that's cool, man. Yeah, that's great advice. That was a really long answer. Sorry about that. No, no, yeah. no I, I love it. Yeah, that's the the idea is you tell tell us a story about, about um, things. Another thing we I was kind of wondering as well is like, you know, kind of building off of that, like your experience and everything in Cal Arts. I wondered if that was kind of where you came up with like the concept for Fairly Odd Parents. I, I didn't know what kind of inspired that. Was there like, I, you hear a lot about like real life inspiration behind characters and there's definitely like a cast of characters that are just like offbeat, like Crocker, you know, Timmy, Wanda, Cosmo, like they're all, they're all kind of really funny and like caricatures almost. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if there was like any kind of inspiration in your real life for like those characters or anything like that. You know, it's funny. Uh, um, I remember thinking of Fairly Odd Parents. I was, uh, it really came out of needing a job. I was working at uh, Hanna-Barbera, which was owned by Cartoon Network at the time. And we worked on the first season of Johnny Bravo. You know, Johnny Bravo. Hey, baby. Yeah, yeah was, absolutely. That's I was working on. Classic. Yeah, I was working on Johnny Bravo uh, with a guy named Seth McFarlane, and uh, Seth and I were really good pals at the time. And uh, we were working on the show. And uh, season one ended, and we kind of needed. Um, uh, they, they 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 got rid of all of us. They were like, "Well, you're all laid off. Thank you." And um, that's how quick it wow. can happen in Hollywood. Show's over. You're done. So. Um, we ended up uh, getting let go from Johnny Bravo, and I really needed a job. I had a brand new baby girl, and I had a wife, and kind of it kind of stemmed out of needing employment. So Fred Seibert, who had been at Hanna Barbera for many years, who started the What a Cartoon program over at Hanna Barbera, I'd done a couple short cartoons for him there. He left to go to Nickelodeon, and he went over to do a thing called the Oh Yeah Cartoon program, which was the exact same thing as the What a Cartoon program. This was basically a bunch of guys making short cartoons and girls making short cartoons. And when you watch the Oh Yeah cartoon show, you see three different cartoons made by three different people. Well, uh, he asked me if I had any ideas and I needed a job and I said, I'll come up with one. I'll, I'll call you in tomorrow. And so uh, I came up with this idea called The Fairly Odd Parents. I do this little boy named Timmy Turner. I thought I do this little boy. I'm like, oh, can I, I really want to do a show about something I know. And I knew how to be a little boy because I was one. And so I drew this little boy and um, I named him Timmy. And then I was like, well, I want to be able to move him from place to place. I don't want to be stuck for a story uh, transition all the time. I want to be able to easily move him around. So uh, I could do science. He can come up with all kinds of cool science gadgets and go places. But I thought, no, I can't do that because Dexter's Lab uh, was already a show, a very scientifically based show. And that's something I want to tell people too. If you're going to create a show, always do your homework. Always see what's out there already. Like if you want to do a you know show about kung fu or ninjas, there's already Kung Fu Panda and Ninja Turtles. So, you know, make sure that your show at least has some differentiation from that. You know, you don't want to you don't want to walk into a network studio that already has five martial arts shows. If you have a martial arts show, you know. So, so I couldn't do science. So I thought I can do magic. I can just pop him from place to place. I'll give him a magic friend. So I drew Wanda. Who's at, who name at the time was Venus. I drew this, I drew this, yeah, I know, you know, you name, name starts somewhere. So I drew this, yeah. I drew this lady named Wanda 
uh, who had blue hair at the time. And Timmy had a blue hat and I ran out of ink. So I, I used my pink marker and I grabbed the pink marker and pink hat. Yeah, I did a drawing with the pink hat. And then uh, I never seen, a, I, I made one his fairy godmother and I'd never seen a fairy godfather before. So I uh, made Cosmo. I was like, I'd never seen, I, what, what would a fairy godfather look like? So I drew Cosmo, made him a complete moron. We, and it was funny, we made him even stupider <laughs> as the time went by, you know? Right. And so uh, that's kind of where the show was born. I drew these three characters and uh, I called the show Fairy Godparents at first. And um, right. I didn't know what to call it. So I called it Fairy Godparents and it eventually evolved into Fairly Odd Parents. And um, kids like to have secrets. So I thought, well, when his parents come in the room, the, kid, the fairies can turn into something and they hide in the room. They could turn into like shoes or like books or fish. So I made the fishbowl. And then he's got to have an enemy. So I thought, well, it could be a big sister. But again, Dexter's lab had a big sister. I didn't want to do that. So I thought, well, I'll do, how about I do a babysitter? She's, she comes over super nice when the parents are around, but evil when they're gone. So I made Vicky and that's kind of where the show started. I had, I didn't have all that, all of that took about 10 minutes to do all that. Man. Um, and it was one of those things where It'd I- would be I, like that. No, it was funny, man. I was like, I drew all that and I, and I actually pitched the show to Cartoon Network and they turned it down. Thanks, what? thanks, but oh, no. I bet they're kicking themselves. Thanks, but no thanks. And then, um, wow, yeah, they fired. They got wow. rid of me and Seth MacFarlane. So, uh, well, good job, yeah. guys. But, uh, but anyway, he's gotten uh, fired a few times. I yeah, guess he's used yeah, to it. So anyway, wow. uh, yeah, did that? Did the show and uh, thought of that idea. Then Nickelodeon bought it. I, I sold it to Fred Cyber for the Oh Yeah cartoon show. And then, um, yeah, the rest is history. Went there and did that, and then, and then my Nickelodeon career kind of started. But I had to do everything myself. I, my first couple of cartoons, my first about 10 shorts, I had to do virtually by myself. I had about two helpers. I had a background guy, and uh, someone helped me out with um, character designs and, and uh, there's a few things here and there. But I really had to do all the 10 shorts myself, write them, direct them, all that. And I, re- right. and I really wanted to because I wanted to learn more. I came out of college. Right and well, now, now you're in the real world, and these are going to go on TV, and I want to learn a lot. You know, I, I, I mistake after mistake, I learned my way, and by the time I got to hire people, uh, I knew every job. So it's like I, nobody could fake me out. Yeah. It's like, okay, can you do this job? And they'd say, sure, I can. And I would look at their work. You can't do this job because I can do this job. And, you know, yeah. so I encourage people out there, if you're going to sell a cartoon or anything, learn how to do all of the jobs so you can um, always make sure the, your vision comes out exactly the way you want it to. Right on. Yeah. See, wow. I like hearing like some of the, some of your influence as well. I can kind of like pick up on how that translates into Fairly Odd Parents because it's like very much like that superhero thing of like Peter Parker, Timmy Turner, like the, mm-hmm. the alliteration, you know? And so I kind of oh, yeah, get I that. Love, I love, alli- that I love the secrets and the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Secrets from your parents and everything. Well, you want to make it, you want to give an idea to kids, you want to present a show to them. That is something unlike their normal life. You don't want to do a show, if, unless you're super creative, and a lot of people are, but you don't want to do a show about, you know, breakfast because <laughs> everybody eats breakfast in a normal way, unless your show is about the greatest breakfast of all time. You don't want to do a show about, you know, uh, homework or a show about, you know, going to school, unless you can make it interesting. You want to, at least my philosophy is let's give kids a show that shows them a world they don't live in right now. They, they can fantasize about being in. And they could fantasize about being a part of. I think that's why the Marvel movies do so well, because we all fantasize about being part of that world. Or, you know, Harry Potter does well. All these fantasy movies do well because people want to be part of those imaginary worlds. Absolutely. So I have to ask, um, so you start your path on 
uh, Fairly Odd Parents, and a- another so comes kind of parallel to that show, and that's uh, Jimmy Neutron. Again, kind of like the idea of like the Dexter's Lab scientific show, and the juxtaposition of those shows. Uh, they were always showed kind of in a block together on cart uh, on uh, Nickelodeon mm-hmm. um, in the afternoon. And so, how did that kind of pool transition into you guys actually crossing over into the Jimmy Timmy power hour, like one, two and three. (laughs) And like, how did that work? Especially with two different teams and two different mediums too. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good question too. Uh, it was really a fun show to work on. Um, you know, it was perfect. Jimmy Neutron was based on a movie. There was a movie of Jimmy Neutron. They did first, it was called Jimmy Neutron Mm -hmm. boy genius. And they made the movie movie did well. And so they made a series out of it. And the guy who was behind the series, one of the exec producers was a guy named Steve Odekirk, who was a very big screenwriter at the time. And he still is. He a uh, great guy. He wrote, um, he wrote, uh, the nutty professor and he wrote, oh, okay. uh, Ace Ventura and he wrote, oh, um, wow. he wrote Bruce almighty. I mean, very, very popular, very successful screenwriter. And he wrote Jimmy Neutron. I think he wrote it or he came out. I forget. He was producing Jimmy Neutron. So, and then Jimmy Neutron was made into a series. And the cool thing was it was made into a CG series, you know, early CG stuff. And, uh, it was just, it was the perfect storm, I guess you, if you will, they came to us one day going, would you guys want to cross over with them? We're like, Hey, and I said, Heck yeah, it'd be great. Cause you know, here you have two boy characters. One's named Jimmy, one's named Timmy. What are you kidding me? And and they're both like 10. <laughs> yeah. One is CG, one is 2D. It's like that's absolutely perfect. One's magic, one is science, you know, and um Yeah. It was just it was Ooh, the I perfect Yeah. Yeah, it was the perfect of everything. So so we thought that that'd be great. Let's do this. So we actually sat with the writers of Jimmy Neutron, great guys, and uh, hung out and just just came up with a story. Hey, you know, it'd be great if they switched worlds. You know, let Timmy be the CG character for once and Jimmy be the flat character. And what would happen there? Oh my gosh, Timmy's got five fingers. Jimmy's got four fingers, you know? And yeah, yeah. yeah we made <laughs> jokes funny. about all that. <laughs> but that was a humongous uh, smash hit cartoon that really did really well. So thanks to all the fans out there that watched it. You guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah, I remember In it vivo right here. T- till this day, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, so yeah, just uh, that was a blast. And so really had a good time doing that. And uh, one follow-up question. You've always had a very distinct style and you mentioned earlier how that like really differentiated from Disney styles of the era. Um, How did you come into making that style and also drawing your uh, human uh, animated models with like five fingers? Because that was a very, that was abnormal. I mean, not all of your shows have five-fingered humans, but yeah, I was just curious. <laughs> no, Danny, Danny Phantom's the only show that has five fingered humans. We had five, Danny okay. Phantom had five fingers. Timmy Turner had four fingers. Um, you know, I guess I uh, honestly, I really appreciate the comments about my style. It's very kind of when, when people go, your style is so great. I go, well, thank you. My style basically comes from my lack of drawing uh, skills is what it comes from. It's like, you know, I'll draw my characters to look like this. I will say this though. When I did do fairly odd parents, when I first designed those characters, um, it came out of, I'd been working at Hanna-Barbera for so long and in the TV world for so long, I drew the TV animation style very well. I did like, I could do those, you know, old school TV versions very well. But when it came to do Fairly Odd Parents, I said, I'm going to draw in a way I've never drawn before. I actually remember forcing myself to go, okay, I'm going to push this a little more and push this a little more. At the time, Ren and Stimpy had come out and there was a lot of influence of Ren and Stimpy in the industry. 
And I didn't, and I'm fairly odd parents looks nothing like Ren and Stimpy, but my first few drawings had a little Ren and Stimpy going on in them. Just a teeny little bit, you know, like he's pushing the upper lip a little bit and the eye poses and the, and the exact, anyway, it looks nothing like it now, but that, that sort of started informing the language of what the show looked like. And so, um, if you look up the very first drawing I ever did of Fairly Odd Parents, there's a little, to me, a little bit of Ren and Stimpy influence in there. But other than that, I just wanted to come up with something I'd never done before. And then if you look at all the Fairly Odd Parents characters, they all kind of have that same language. So Timmy's face looks like Chip Skylark's face, looks like Vicky's face, you know, um, yeah. and on and on and on. So that was really fun developing that style. And then Danny Phantom kind of has some elements, some flavors of that too. And uh, Bunsen is a beast though. It looks nothing like anything I've ever done before. And I, again, I was trying to push mm -hmm. myself on that show too. What can my show look like? You know, what can this, and that show looks a little more like Bunsen. I, 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 when I was doing Bunsen, I was thinking more along the lines of Adventure Time in a way. And not, not that Adventure, not oh, that it looks, yeah. again, it, mm -hmm. it looks nothing like Adventure Time, but I was sort of like, okay, instead of hard angles, I'll have some really rubber hosey arms. I'll have rubber hosey legs and that sort of thing. So yeah. um, you, you, I, draw, yeah. I draw my influence from a lot of other shows and things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like you're like getting influenced by the era, but it's like, you're definitely still doing your, your own thing, but it's just like, yeah. And you're not well, saying, well, like Bunsen, saying no yeah, Bunsen is yeah. a beast came out like 15 years after Fairly Odd Parents aired, you know, so you're talking about a whole yeah. bunch of styles between then um, yeah. uh, influences mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, so Danny Phantom, uh, critically acclaimed, often revered, um, <laughs> many fans out there. Sorry, I'm trying to tamp down, tamp down the fan. That's girl. very sweet um, of you. No, that's okay. Thank you. <laughs> so what is, so people, I'm sure they come to you cons and they ask you questions. You probably get the same kinds of questions over and over again. Um, what is something about Danny Phantom that you would love to talk about, but you've just never had the opportunity to speak with fans about? Wow. Uh, good question. And, uh, I'm, and I am always super appreciative and uh, grateful for anybody's, um, uh, kindness or appreciation of my work in any way, especially Danny Phantom. I mean, Danny Phantom, it's a unique show. It's interesting because, uh, I did that show cause it was, uh, I'm a comic book freak. I'm a huge comic book fan and, I really wanted to have kind of a comic book show. Like I wanted to have a Spider-Man, you know, kind of a show of my very own. And because of the success of Fairly Odd Parents, I was able to do Danny Phantom, which is a completely different show than Fairly Odd Parents. I mean, it looked, there's some similar stylistic things, but you know, Danny Phantom's a half hour story. You tell a half hour story every time with two acts, there's an act break, a commercial break, you know, and then you come back to the story and it's a lot more serious. It's a lot more dramatic, you know, and, uh, you know, so I, um, is there something I'd want to say about Danny Phantom I've never said before? Gosh, that's a very good question. I've really much, pretty much said a lot of, <laughs> I think pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure at this point, is there anything, it's been is there anything, a while. You, is there anything you guys want to ask me, uh, uh specifically I, that, that might be, uh, bugging I you a little bit? I do have a question. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so one thing I've always really loved about the show is the really, unique relationship between Vlad and Danny. Mm. Um, it's one of the most unique and interesting dynamics in the entire show. Um, what was the inspiration between this bond? It's like an antagonistic father-son relationship um, because you have Vlad wanting to step in as this almost proto-father figure because he's trying to place Jack um, because of the, you know, the 
weird love triangle with his wife. So it's like, how, um, where did that inspiration kind of come from? Because I remember in Ultimate Enemy, he always, uh, there, there's that conversation with Danny in the cave. And it's just like a, a really moving moment that I still remember to this day because it is so moving. Hmm. Um, so I just, I would love to hear your kind of thoughts on that Vlad Danny relationship. Well, thank you. Uh, that's interesting. That, that, um, you know, uh, I'd love to say it was inspired by something like, oh, this specific actual thing inspired it. But I must be honest with you, um, it, it it sort of just stemmed out of the fact I needed a villain for Danny, right? I needed a, I needed a, every, yeah. every good guy needs a bad guy. I needed a Lex Luthor for Danny. I needed a, you know, um, a venom for Danny. Who's going to be this bad guy? And I thought it'd be really cool if there yeah. was this... Uh, it first started off with, we need another Danny Phantom. We need an evil Danny Phantom out there. But I thought yeah. it'd be dumb if it was just another kid who had Danny's powers. I thought we should make it an adult who's had his powers, but had him longer. Like he's, he's had him for a really long time and he's just better at it than Danny. And it could be a guy who maybe is, is bad, but maybe there's an element to him that Danny really is attracted to like he's a he's a dad figure for Danny you know and he's not just like not just a villain but maybe maybe if Danny were to go with this guy it might be kind of cool so we started we started with that going though who could be a villain for Danny that could be a father figure where would that how would that happen who would that be would it be his own dad no would it be a who'd be the guy maybe it's a friend of his dad's who really loved the mom I mean it, it was sitting in the writer's room kind of coming up with all of this yeah so yeah. um you know, but when you're, again, when you're doing a story like Danny Phantom, we really wanted to tell a story. Cause if you watch episode one of Danny Phantom, it doesn't necessarily have to tie to the next episode, but it kind of does. Right. You can watch every episode of Danny yes. Phantom and just, and they're all self-contained pretty much, but it does help if you've yes. seen the other ones. Cause if you watch the whole thing from back to front, it really all kind of is a, as a cool little arc for Danny and, and all the yeah. other characters. So yeah, I, I just think though that uh, anything with Danny Phantom was really inspired by my love of comic books and just all kinds of things I've read over the years, you know, but it all starts with a classic good guy, bad guy. Every good guy has got to have yeah. a bad guy. It's true for sure. It's like that classic antithesis, like the, the struggle between good and evil is like at the core of every story. And so yeah. we see that. Oh yeah. And then we, and you know, and then having to, everything. yeah, having a guy, because we know Danny's going to fight this guy, but Danny's no match for this guy because he's just way better than Danny at everything. You know, I've got yeah. a, I've, I've done some Danny Phantom videos on my YouTube channel, Danny Phantom 10 years later and parts one, yeah. two, and three. And I've done, I just did, I just did one Danny Phantom, the college years did that one. And then, um, which I really liked a lot actually is Danny after the end of Danny Phantom, this is him in college. And what is his college life like? And I'm doing one now. It's coming yeah. out soon. Uh, Danny Phantom, I have a new power for Danny. The new, uh, Danny Phantom's new power. So I won't tell you That's what it is awesome. yet. <laughs> I'm not telling okay. you what it is yet. Holding my breath, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. It, I think you'll like it. Well, uh, kind of pursuing in that vein, you know, there's obviously so many things that have been iconic that you've gotten to work on. Um, you know, in the past, I was kind of wondering, like, is there any animation projects that are coming down like the pipeline for you that you're just like super passionate about or that you're into, like that you're excited about that I'm working, that I'm working on, that I'm working on personally <laughs> or other things. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything. Yeah. I have a show, uh, I've been developing for a while. It's called Elf Detective. You guys may have, I may, I've been tweeting about this and, um, I mentioned it on my YouTube channel a couple times. It's a, it's an anime inspired show. Not anime, because it doesn't come from Japan directly, but it's got to have sure, an anime-inspired right. <laughs> feel to it. Um, I was just drawing this six-foot elf one day, just this elf in a business suit. 
And um, he's got really super long hair and has these really big giant ears, but really kind of a good looking, sexy elf in a, a business suit. I'm like, this guy's, I was like, this guy's really cool. He's an elf in a business suit and I'm sold. Yeah. yeah. I know. And I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, what could this guy do? I'm like, what could this guy do? I thought it'd be really cool if he was a police detective and was solving mythological crime. And so, oh, cool. you know, so when a mythological creature gets hurt, the elf detective shows up. And uh, so I actually, I actually have this whole half hour pilot I've written and uh, I want to do a 12 kind of episode mini series of this. And uh, I really want it to be very cool. Uh, so I'm working on that. And uh, I have another show I'm working on called Imagine Nathan, um, where um, I have two versions of Imagine Nathan. One is a uh, sort of a younger, kind of a Tim Burton-y looking version, whereas this kid who gets bonked on the head and he can suddenly see everybody's imaginary friend. Everyone's got you know oh, kids with him. Cool. He can that see all me. of them. And, uh, and, uh, some are good and some aren't good. So he's got to get rid of the bad ones. So kids can live normal lives, you know? Uh, but then there's another version of Imagine Nathan that's more of along a Ben 10 kind of a vibe, like a Ben 10 Danny Phantom mm -hmm. vibe where it's about yeah. this, about this kid who has an attachment on his head and everything he thinks becomes reality. And, um, Whoa. yeah. And, but there's a bad guy out there who has the same device that he stole from his father's lab. So he's got to find this guy and stop him. Uh, from using the device. So I have those two, those two versions of the same show and elf detective I'm working on as well. So I really like that stuff. Very cool, man. Very cool. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. Yeah. Those are, those are all, I just like check, check, check. Just, I have not watched all of that. So it's amazing. <laughs> and you'll yeah. like, and you'll like the character design of Imagine Nathan. He's a, he's a good looking kid. I think you'll like him. Excellent. Um, so, what, um, out of, uh, past projects that you've worked on, what's kind of, uh, one of your projects that's really stuck out in your mind? Like what, I, it's hard to say favorite, uh, because like they're all your favorite cause they're all kind of your, your, your babies in a way, but it's like, what's one that like really has like a soft spot for you? You know, it's, it's, again, like you said, it is really hard cause they all are ones you work a lot. You work many years on these shows. You pour your heart and soul yeah. into them every day. You go into work every single day working on the show with your writer friends and your artist friends and you just really put you're pouring your heart out every day as hard as you can to make these shows great and uh you know i'd, I'd say fairly odd parents because it ran the longest and it's got so many great characters in it but then i love mm -hmm. danny phantom as well great characters in that show but i also love tough puppy because it we worked for five years on that show and it was one of the to me one of the funniest shows we ever worked on it's such a great looking funny show um those, some of those recording sessions on that show were some of the best we've ever done. We, we did, but again, that show itself stands out to me. And then Bunsen is a Beast, it only ran one season, but it was some of the funniest stuff we ever did, and it looked different. It was such a charming little show, and um, I would have loved to have seen it gone farther, and uh, hopefully someday it will. Maybe I can get the rights back to it or something, or maybe Nickelodeon will want to do some more with it. Yeah. You never know. But it's such a great show to work on. And so each and every show has its own you know, soft spot in my heart. I really wish I could give you one answer. I guess if I had to give right. you one answer. I'd probably say fairly odd parents simply because it ran the yeah. longest. And Fair I just, yeah. just spent yeah. so much time on that show. We have all the songs, all the guest stars, all the stuff we did on that show. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a whole universe of thought out there that, you know, is around that show. I mean, you had to build a whole universe to contain like of, of lore. I know that sounds kind of weird and like very serious, but like how the internal rules of the world work and like how you can wish and how you can't wish and like all of the characters and how everyone acts. And I mean, it's huge mm -hmm. over 16 years. That's in 
incredible. Like it's a vast amount of that kind of content. Yeah. Yeah. It was on, it was on your entire childhood. So yeah, <laughs> it ran for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, th- I hope, I just hope kids of the future, Ooh, the future. I hope kids of the future really uh, enjoy the show as well, because it is just such a fun show and it'll be airing forever. I mean, they'll have, they'll air that show for a long right time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Butch, I'm going to step out and do a, uh, a very self-indulgent question. <laughs> do I, men- it. I mentioned my, mentioned my wife earlier. Uh, she does not listen to my show at all. She could care less about most of the people that I have on, but you have, uh, you've, you've hit a nerve with her because you worked on her, one of her favorite movies of all time. It's called Annabelle's Wish. Oh, no kidding. And she knows that, huh? Wow. She loves that movie. We, uh, she, her boss has a daughter named Annabelle and she actually <laughs> bought her, uh, daughter or she bought that movie for, uh, her boss to give to her daughter because her name's Annabelle. Wow. And so this is the first time I ever told my wife about. I guess I was having on that she was like, oh my gosh. Like she was actually like super stoked. And so <laughs> we got her, Butch. We 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 found how we could get her. <laughs> well, it's amazing to me uh, that all the stuff I've done and she knows me for Annabelle's wish. That's great. I, uh, I know. That's what I said. I was like, where have you been? You know what's funny? I did I did storyboards on that. It was a movie, right? It wasn't yeah. a TV series. It was a movie. Yeah, I remember doing that. It was a direct to VHS movie. Yeah, that was yeah, a by really- Hallmark, I think. By yeah. Hallmark, And yeah. that was like 25 years ago or 20 years ago. That was a long time ago. That, yeah, I was doing storyboards and that was a really cool uh, project to work on. She is wow. so, it's so, yeah, I just, you know, I had to throw in something to mention it just, just because she has never listened to a single episode, but I might actually get her to listen to this one. Well, tell her, tell her I'm, I'm honored that she uh, was even uh, nice enough to listen to this podcast <laughs> and tell her to, tell her to, uh, tell her to be nicer to you a little bit, maybe just a little bit. That's what I'm saying. I've been saying that for years, but <laughs> I'm glad you're in my corner. That's amazing. What is her name, by the way? What's your wife's name? Oh, her name's Madison. Oh, Madison, thank you. You're awesome. You're awesome, Madison. One day, one day we'll do your oh. drawing. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, like I was saying, Butch, yeah, we really just appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and really absolutely. indulging our questions. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, <laughs> sure thing, guys. Anything else you want to talk, uh, talk about before I go? Alex, did okay, you have any I'm other sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really. I'm like pulling. Is like, what are other <laughs> things I could talk about about this to this incredible human being? Okay. Um, Whenever you're casting um, your your vocal talent for your for the characters that appear on screen, what is your process whenever you try and find the right uh, fit? Because Darren Norris, I mean, for Cosmo, he's I mean he's incredible, and I know he's gone on to have like a career that's you know outside of just Fairly Odd Parents. Um, so I, I'm just curious, like you know, like with Tara Strong and, and people like that, like how do you go about casting um, your vocal talent? Well, that's a really good question. It all comes down to uh, who's, I mean, obviously it comes down to who's the best. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. we, we, uh, it starts really simply. It's the old Hollywood story. You audition people. You, uh, yeah. you have a drawing in mm-hmm. front of you of this character. Sometimes you have a very specific idea. I want this, I want this guy to sound like a very big, deep-voiced guy. Or, you know, okay. Or, uh, or I want this guy to sound kind of like a used car salesman. You know, that sort of thing. Or, uh, oh, I don't know. Maybe he wants to hunt fairies. You know, you want to have that kind of a character. So, um, <laughs> but sometimes you'll, the people will walk in and knock you out with a vocal choice they make that you weren't even expecting. You know, um, yeah. for Cosmo, Darren Norris, I kind of wanted this used car salesman. Darren Norris came in and did exactly what I wanted. Perfect. 
But then as the show mm-hmm. kept going and as we were allowed to expand and develop Fairly Odd Parents even further, uh, we kept taking him higher and higher and higher till he got to be Cosmo way up here. And it was, it just became even funnier. One time we auditioned for this alien in a sh- an episode called Spaced Out with Timmy Turner and the gang. And, uh, you know, uh, we had this alien named Mark. And uh, we thought, we thought he was going to be an alien like this, you know, an alien voice. And then, you know, Rob Paulson walks in and goes, yeah, pity humans. And it's like this, yeah, this surfer dude. Oh, yeah. Mark Chang. And it was like, wow, that's <laughs> right on. that's genius, dude. That's great. Yeah. You know, and just, it just goes one after the other. It's like you don't expect certain things. And Jerry Trainer walking in for, for Dudley Puppy. Basically, just doing Jerry Trainer's voice, but Jerry Trainer's natural <laughs> voice is so freaking funny, and he's so funny. It's amazing. Didn't, didn't matter what he said; it was just so great. And then uh, you know Jeremy Rowley with Bunsen from Bunsen is a Beast who walked in. Oh, he did sort of, kind of a little, you know, uh, almost a. You know, he did like a Jar Jar Binks almost kind of a thing. <laughs> And we're like, that's freaking genius, dude. That's excellent. And uh, it just depends on, you always get remembered for the choices you make. Don't ever walk in and blow yeah. off an audition because it could it could change your life. And a, a voice audition could change your life and or any audition. Mm. But some people walk in, they blow it off. You can tell they don't really care. Some people come in, they keep trying over and over and over. But yeah, they might not get that audition, but they were funny and I remember them for something else. And, you know, always come in and just put your right best on. foot forward because you we want to work with people that make our lives easier easier not harder well butch yeah thanks again man we we sure appreciate the time we got to give another shout out to guy moon for kind of hooking us up up. thanks again guy yeah and uh yeah man well uh real quick why don't you tell people where they can follow you on social media your website all that kind of good stuff oh Oh, yeah man oh thank you guys you can you can follow me on youtube at butch hartman it's funny how they hired a guy named butch hartman to host the butch hartman channel i really liked into that one and then um (laughs) You can follow me on, on Twitter at Real Hartman, and I'm on Snapchat. I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, what else is there? Oh, there's um, Tumblr, Instagram. Instagram. Oh yeah, Instagram at Butch Hartman. Yeah, you can follow me there. I just post drawings, and I try and be as inspirational as possible. I have a brand new um, streaming service I'm working on called O Access Entertainment. Uh, that'll be out uh, hopefully within the next uh, 12 to 18 months. We're working very, very hard on that to uh, bring family-friendly entertainment to the world. And I'm just really, really jazzed about that. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Awesome. Very cool. Very man. cool. And Alex, where can people follow the Cinematropolis, follow you online? Sure. You can find all of our works, podcasts, and more at thecinematropolis.com. You can also find uh, uh, me on Twitter at Alex V. Brohannon, B-R-O-H-A-N-N-O-N. Well, and as always, you could follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. And guys, I want to thank you for having oh, me yeah. on. It's been an honor. And as I say at the end of all it's my- It's been an honor. <laughs> I want to say as the, at the end of all my YouTube videos, I say art gives you power. Use it wisely. So thank you, guys. Ooh. Wonderful mm. sign off. Thanks That's again, perfect. Butch. <laughs> thank you. You got it, guys. Thank you.